0: Today's episode is sponsored by Conqueror Final Conquest. Conqueror is a 3-6 to player strategy game that is set in 3rd century BC. You and your friends play as one of six nations battling for power to conquer and rule the ancient world. Form alliances, go to war, betray your friends, bribe your enemies, and recruit heroes to build an everlasting empire. And also be sure to check out Conqueror Duels, the free two-player expansion. Duels has five scenarios that allow you to relive the greatest military campaigns of the ancient world. Conqueror Final Conquest and its expansion are available now for just $49.99. You can find them both at ConquerorFC.com. And if you're looking for a partner to help you with marketing, I recommend you reach out to Andrew Lowen at Next Level Web. In the last year, Andrew and his company have helped board game creators raise more than $2 million on Kickstarter, and 91% of those campaigns funded in the first 24 hours, and 74% of those campaigns were from first-time creators. They have a system that works and offer solutions ranging from helping you build ads for your project all the way to fully managing your marketing campaign. So if you're looking for a reliable marketing partner for your upcoming campaign, visit nextlevelweb.com kickstarter and fill out a contact form. And just to speak from personal experience really quick, Andrew a phenomenal marketer, his team, excellent group of people, super trustworthy. And in my last campaign, they literally helped me double the amount of money that I would have brought in by myself. You can look at the numbers that you can see, like I would have raised this and they helped me double that amount of money so definitely worth checking out again next slash kickstarter
1: hosting for the board game design lab podcast is sponsored by quartermaster logistics the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing check them out at qmlogistics.com. welcome to the board game design lab podcast a proud member of the dice tower network each week We want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're getting real. Today,
0: we're talking about time. We're talking about real-time games. We're talking to Travis Jones, designer of Pendulum, real-time game from Stonemaier Games. Travis, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. That was a good good intro. I liked it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, really excited to have you here. You know, Stonebar Games, they're an interesting company because they don't publish very many games a year. You know, there's a lot of publishers out there that they just kind of shotgun blast as many games out into the marketplace as possible. And hopefully one of them sticks, (laughs) you know, just throw (laughs) all the spaghetti on the wall and maybe one noodle will stick up there and we'll have a hit on our hands. But Jamie at uh, Stonebar Games, he's not like that. He's very methodical. He's very specific. Uh, he's very choosy, I think, in the uh, the designs that he publishes. And so, first of all, to be published by our Games is a tremendous uh, accomplishment. So congrats on that, because uh, it just says something about your game of what he thinks, and, and he tends <laughs> to know what he's doing. Uh, he's got a, a few hits on his hands. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm just really excited to talk about Pendulum, talk about real-time games, talk about what makes these games work, what makes them tick so to speak, and uh, just kind of get underneath the hood of this mechanism. But before we get into that, who are you? How'd you get into game design, all that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, well, I appreciate the compliment. And I, I certainly was thrilled when um, uh was interested in the game. Uh, like you said, they, they do great work. Um, I love uh, love all the games that I, that I played. Um, and uh, not just that they're good and fun, but they put such quality, you know, qu- such effort in making sure it's a quality release. Um, I was, I was really thrilled um, that, that they actually were interested. Uh, so as for me, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I just a, a board game designer in my spare time and I have a day job, um, but um, about five or six years ago, I guess I, I started getting interested in designing games. Um, and this is after I'd been playing them for, um, I don't know, 10 or 12 years now, I guess. I, I didn't play too many board games growing up, but I did like every other nerdy thing you could do. You know, I played Dungeons and Dragons, played computer games um and all sorts of other things there's a couple board games me and my friends would get into and play and we actually played the original civilization game way back in the day we'd have these eight hour marathon sessions um uh to, to to play through one of those games but uh but i wasn't really as much into board games so it was it was a little bit later in life um uh that i finally got introduced to them. like i said about 10 or 12 years ago and then i was like where have these been you know this is such a great fun hobby and now that i have less time on my hands to um to get into gaming board gaming is so great because you can have friends over and just you know play for a night for 2 or 3 hours and then go your separate ways um so i took to the hobby quickly and then after a while of of, of playing it I, I started to get this little restless creative energy of wanting to make one um I, i've always had a bit of a creative side and so i think just sort of being exposed to it getting into it um eventually it sort of bubbled up uh some ideas for for a game to uh for 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 an actual game to design and so, um, so that's eventually what, what got me into start playing around with it. And it, it took me a while to get um, uh, a game to where it was pitchable uh, uh, because I, I actually started with the real-time idea. When I first got into game design, it was specifically because I had this inspiration of, of trying to make a real-time strategy game, which was a pretty crazy, kooky idea. Um, but, but I, 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 kind of just wanted, I, I really didn't want to pursue it unless I was doing something really different that, um, cause there's so many good games out there. Uh, and maybe just cause I figured I couldn't compete <laughs> with all the amazing designers or maybe cause I wanted to offer something new, but whatever the case, you know, I, I really only wanted to give it a shot if I thought I was going to do something really unique and different. Uh, so this is, this idea of this real-time strategy game is actually what sort of got me into design and, and what got me pursuing it. So.
0: Very cool. And so as we get into the conversation, let's get a good working definition of real-time games. What does that mean exactly?
2: Yeah, sure. That's, that's a good point. Um, uh, you know, I mean, a lot of terms in gaming can be a little squishy. And 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 I'd also note that a lot of games can have different elements. Um, so there's there's a lot of different interesting games out there that, that will, some will have a real-time component or real-time phase, and then you move into a, a non-real-time part. Um, so you can have different elements. But but to me, a real-time game is where at least a significant element of the game um, involves uh, taking actions in some way that the actual passing of time matters to, to the outcome of your actions, which is a bit of an abstract term, but that's sort of how I think of it. Like, sometimes it's a race. Sometimes it means other things. Um, uh, you know, like Galaxy Trucker is, is a great game where you don't necessarily want to be first, but it certainly is a benefit, but it's not necessarily a race. It's just something where the passing of real actual time matters to the outcome of the game.
0: Right, and usually this is represented through a timer or like a sand timer on the board where everybody can see it or using your phone or something like that. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's just real time, right? There are some party games that things happen immediately and it's really, it's like the first person to, to grab the thing in the middle of the table or the first person to slap the, the card or something like that. And so real it's it's all happening simultaneously in yep. real time. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a lot of different angles. I'm excited to talk about different examples of different games that have approached real time in, in different ways. But what's interesting, I was looking up uh, different games on BoardGameGeek earlier today, I actually just kind of figure out, okay, what are some interesting examples? And there's not very many. Uh, there's only like 220, I think, 221, something like that, uh, <laughs> games listed in the BoardGameGeek database. We're talking 100,000 games. I mean, tens and tens and tens of thousands of games out there uh, and only a couple hundred that are listed with the real-time mechanism. And so it's not something that necessarily is, is rampant in the marketplace with all these real-time games. But at the same time, there are quite a few and some of them are some of the better games ever made. And so why did you want to design one of these? You mentioned just a second ago that this is what actually kind of brought you into designing games. And so what was it about this mechanism in particular that, that made you say, you know what, I'm going to design a game.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think there is a variety of things that really appealed to me. I've always been fascinated um, with, with, I don't know, the decision-making process itself, just, just in life in general, whether it's board games or not, but I, I've always found board games fascinating because it's a great way to explore you know, how you make decisions and how you make strategic decisions. Um, uh, but throughout, you know, all of our lives, we're always struggling um, in the background with, with how much focus to put on different decisions. And that's always just been an interesting push and pull to me. And maybe it has something to do with my day job, but um, there's lots of s- spots in life, I feel like, where um, you need to develop a muscle um, or, or, an, or an instinct um, to understand how much analysis is worth it to do for a decision, right? So, so it's not just what's the best decision. There's an interesting choice we have to make in life of, of how do I figure out how to make the best decision? Because you don't always have time to put infinite amounts of time into different decisions in life. And it can be something complicated, like some analysis you're doing in your job, or it can be something simple, like when you're shopping for a new car um and and you think you can spend hours and hours reading different reviews and then watching videos and reading articles that recommend you different things and at some point we all have to make the choice of how much time is it worth it to put into this and how much more is this making my decision better and how much more is am i am i just wasting time and and i think it's an important muscle in life that you need to develop i think um so so that's always fascinated me now i I know that's that's pretty broad and you can say "Well, well how the hell is a a board game with a 30-second timer in any way like like that. But in some ways, you know, I think it's an interesting way to zero in on that decision because that was sort of the intent with Pendulum was to make a real-time game where the amount of time you put into thinking about a decision was one of the resources you're trading around in the game. And it wasn't to make it say... You know, like like we talked about, many real-time games are like this race. So the intent wasn't, let's make it so you have to, the faster you can make your decision, the better you're, better off you are. It was to say, well, let's try to make some trade-offs. So sometimes you may intentionally want to give yourself more time, and sometimes you may want to take less time, and try to make make a game where optimizing that trade-off is an interesting part of the game that helps you win. Uh, so, so that was sort of the intent, and that was the, the very original design that came to me in the sort of eureka moment was was having these different length of timers uh, that would gate the different actions around the board um and and so that was that was a part that that sort of that was there right from the beginning was sort of part of the heart of the game and and that was uh, a, a real space that I wanted to explore and then I'd say that's combined with um Playing with my friends that are, can be very AP and getting tired of waiting on them, <laughs> that was that was honestly a part of the inspiration because I remember it was the the idea for the game came to me after a long day of, um, of of board gaming with some friends of mine, some of which can be prone to analysis paralysis, and and I should add I can absolutely be prone to it as well. I am by no means innocent uh, <laughs> of taking my time on turns. Um, but a, a long day of gaming, and we played all these great crunchy strategy games. I think the last one was Aura and Labora, um, and I, I love those kind of games. But you know, I was so tired of waiting, and friends to take your turn It just goes around, and you know, you're waiting five or ten minutes before you get to go again. Um, and I, and that was. I think part of it bouncing around in my head, like I said, it wasn't all of it, but but I think that was a part of, could you get a game where you get that engagement, but you don't have to wait on other people to take their turn? And that part also appealed to me about the real time where you can sort of be running your own game and not having to wait on other people. So a, a combination of, of those factors, I think got me interested in exploring the space.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, what's interesting, if you think about the most popular games or in this case, sports in the world, they're all real time. If you think about soccer, and basketball <laughs> yeah. and baseball and football. I mean, all those things. The people who are the quickest, whether it's it's mentally or physically, or you know, able to react the best in the quickest amount of time, they are the most rewarded. And so that's another kind of interesting thing to think about. The way humans are, we typically are in awe of someone who cre- who can react really quickly in real time and and, you know, whether it's kicking a a goal in in the upper 90 of the the, uh, kicking a ball in the upper 90 of a goal or making a a three point shot, you know, right off a a screen and and so quick that nobody can even come close to blocking it. I mean, we have a tendency to raise up people who are able to act really uh, well or do really well in real time. And so it's interesting how, that hasn't necessarily translated over into board games nearly as much. And, and maybe that's the kind of people who love sports versus who love board games. And maybe that's part <laughs> of it, you know. Uh, but it's interesting to kind of think through those you know connections as well. And so what is it about real-time games that do you think draws people in? And not necessarily sports, but, you know, board games in particular. Why do people love these games? And here in a second, we'll also talk about why people hate them. But first, why do people love them?
2: <laughs> sure, sure. Well, I, I love your call-out of, of sports because I think it's a great point. It's one thing I, I started thinking about at some point myself as I was starting to design a real-time board game. And I was like, you know, it's so, it seems like a crazy idea. And there's many times where I thought I should stop pursuing this, right? Because there's, there's not as big a market for them, especially not for like an actual strategy game, a heavier strategy game done in real time. Uh, but like you said, it was one thing that stuck out to me. It was like, well, you look at sports and things like that, they're always in real time. Um, if the, the timing element adds such drama... Uh, but I think that really helps for when you're watching it, um, not as much as when you're doing it. Um, although I, w- I will say I, I, that's an interesting aspect for for Pendulum now that it's out there. And obviously I'm biased, so take it with a grain of salt. But um, but I've been I've been pleasantly surprised at how entertaining I find it to watch playthroughs online of Pendulum. You know, I've watched other playthroughs of board games here and there, but um, it you know if there's good chemistry and the people are really fun, it, it can be entertaining. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, but there was this interesting extra drama, you know, of seeing the the time coming down as you're watching a playthrough, and you know, oh, this person, if they just make that move, they'll they'll be set, and you're waiting the last second. Come on, you got to see it, and then they just do it at the end, and, and so add some entertainment value just for watching it. Um, but but at any rate, as for playing, which is the whole point of board games, most people aren't watching board games online. It's, it's a hobby we do to, to play them. Um, and yeah, I, I I think some of the appealing aspects are what what I just mentioned before, not having to wait on other people to take their turn. You get you get this feeling of constant engagement, which is which is very energizing and exciting. I think for some players, um, and then you also get this interesting ability to sort of. Um, test your own skills, Uh, I I think there's always an aspect of board games, you know, there's always a competitive piece, or excuse me, there's not always, there's plenty of great co-op games out there. But, uh, but whenever you're playing a competitive game, you know, there's a piece where you're, you're trying to compete against the other players and measure your own skill. But there's also a piece that I like of just sort of playing with the game itself, I, I may pick a strategy and just, you know, I can get a lot of satisfaction from seeing if I do my strategy well, even if I don't win the game because I just want to sort of understand the game and, and do well at it. And I think anytime you're playing a real time game, it gives you that because in addition to the other players, you always have the time element that you're working against and you can feel like you've done better or worse than the last time you played the game or feel yourself progressing as the game goes on, regardless of how you're doing against the other players, just with how you're doing with the game. And so I think that's a satisfying piece that you always get this interesting uh, competition and engagement from the game itself, which is an, an interesting challenge. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think those those are the biggest pieces. That you get this piece to play against, and then the, the constant engagement, like I said, that you get. I, I think it's just very, um, very entertaining uh, for certain players. I mean, I have certainly enjoyed it. Certainly enjoyed it with Pendulum and other real time games that I've played. How you're just kind of on the edge of your seat, you know, playing a game, which is which is not always what you get uh, with board games. So, yeah,
0: it's a really good point. It does create a, an inherent amount of drama because you are playing beat the clock that's another thing that makes sports enjoyable or really exciting is there's a time limit you know unless we're talking about baseball which we could be here you know four days and the game could still be on but you know we're talking about <laughs> football or, or soccer or basketball especially if you have a game that there is a running clock and like there's a definite time the game is going to end you soccer is a little bit weird because then it's like all right well that's all the time but now we got <laughs> random stoppage time and so we're going to end the game whenever the referee decides the game is over it's a little weird yeah. but with like basketball or football where you have that clock and it's going to hit zero and that's going to be it. And so can they score before then? You know, it's, it's such an interesting uh, kind of dramatic thing that, you know, if you can bring it over to a board game, it, it could work. Now, I think another thing that's interesting with uh, real-time games are the differences between cooperative games and competitive games. And you could like one and really hate the other, you know, and, and not even really concern yourself so much with the real-time mechanism as much as how the game If you have a game like Kitchen Rush or the five minute Marvel five minute dungeon games where everybody's on the same team and you're frantically working together or Captain Sonar or something like that, you're working together on this team to accomplish some goal, right? That's one way to play. And then there's the competitive side, the galaxy trucker, pendulum, different things where you're going against other players. And so it's, it's a totally different experience and a different feel. And I think that's another thing just kind of keep in mind if you're designing a game like this is what kind of feel do you want? Do you want the franticness of everybody working together and like yelling at each other and all these things going on? <laughs> or do you want it, you know, basically, hey, I'm, I'm a little bit quicker than you. And so I've got a little bit of an advantage. So can you outthink me even though you can't out outspeed me? And so it's just different things to think about.
2: Uh, yeah, I think that's a great point. It's very, very different feel in a real-time game whether it's cooperative uh, versus competitive, um, and and it's uh, when I first started designing, I remember some people thought, you know, it's it's crazy to design a competitive real-time game because because you get the concerns of well, is someone cheating or can I keep an eye on someone? And that feels like more angsty if they're not on your team, um, while you can still have the same mistakes in a co-op game. People aren't aren't as worried about it. Um, but you know that's that's an aspect of, of oh you can make mistakes in any game but but uh, but certainly an aspect of real time game games um, but to me it's really challenging to make a good real time game that is cooperative because coordination and communication is usually something you need to do in a co op and real time always makes that so much harder um, and and while there's still some real time game that I games that I enjoy um, that are co op uh, they can even more so I feel like suffer from the alpha player problem that a lot of people complain about co-op games, you know, where there's someone who kind of takes the reins and starts telling people what to do. And like that, that, that beast comes out even more with the time pressure I found. And so in certain real-time co-op games, it can really lend itself to someone, you know, sort of shouting at other players to do this or do that, um, which is a, you know, it's a big design challenge.
0: Yeah. You got to make sure that everyone has enough to do where they worry about themselves and not everybody else at the table, yes. right? You want to make yep. sure they don't get their stuff done and then have two minutes left to like look at everybody else and make, you know, to kind of check everybody else's work. It's well, probably not as fun. So maybe drop yep. that down, you know, make the timer smaller, you know, make the sand uh, have fewer, uh, have less sand in the, in the timer. Uh, I think another thing going back to what you're saying is I go with, with cheating, you know, I've heard that as a criticism for several different competitive real time games where, well, you know, people can cheat and it kind of leaves it open and you can't like make sure people are doing the right thing. And it's like, that's true. But just don't play with those people. You know, (laughs) like that's not the game's fault. That's your that's your group's fault. If you have people in your group that are going to cheat at real time games, well, I'm sorry, you have crappy friends. (laughs) That's, That's not my fault as a designer. And I guess you need to do as much as you can to design games that mitigate cheating and all that. But at the end of the day, it is. I mean, people can cheat at anything if they want to. And so, yeah, I wouldn't uh, think yeah, too no,
2: much. I, I agree, that. but it's, it's much easier in real-time, real-time games, um, certainly in Pendulum. Uh, that was a conscious design choice was, you know, we, we weren't going to worry about the fact that if someone just wanted to cheat, they could, right? Like you said, you just got to play with people who don't cheat. It, 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 some games, maybe you can design around that, but in a real-time competitive game, uh, we didn't see a path uh, to really preventing that from happening at all. Um, so, so I agree. We leave it to the groups to, to, to not play with someone who cheats, but there is another aspect that is challenging with real-time games, which is that people can cheat, but not intentionally, you know, that they can right. make a mistake, you know, just forget to to pay this or forget to move that. And we actually were really thoughtful, um, about how we designed it. Uh, there were a number of spots along the way where we changed mechanics to make it clearer or more intuitive, um how to take an action, um, or, or how to pay for an action or, or also talked about the order of actions. Like there's guidance in the rule book that really stresses paying for an action first because we found, uh, or, or I found a lots of play tests for the years of developing this thing, um, that people, people want to focus, people rarely forget the good thing. They forget the bad thing, right? So, so I would notice a lot of times people would forget to pay for something, but much less often they would forget to take the benefit. And they're always more likely to forget something if there was if there are two steps they would always more likely to forget the second step so so you know it eventually over time that sort of became clear to me and so we designed the game of okay always pay for an action first because they're more likely to remember the first thing and then they're not likely to forget the benefit which is the whole reason they did it so you put that second so there are actually a lot of ways we try to be thoughtful to work around that um um and and so and 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 not that this this podcast is just about my game but in real-time games in general i, I would recommend any designers kind of put some thought into that uh, and that's a good rule of thumb to think about is that people are, are more likely to forget the thing that they don't want to do um so that you can design you can design around that in ways um uh so uh so anyways yeah so hope, hopefully we, we got the game to a point where that is not as much of an issue um it's still an issue some but i, I think part of it is uh you know real-time games um you know they Some people just don't enjoy the stress or don't enjoy the feel of it. And I think that exacerbates the fact that people may make mistakes. Like if you watch people's playthroughs online, um, you know, reviewers. Uh, who do this professionally and play games all the time you'll find all sorts of you know mistakes they make in the middle of playing the game and that's not even a real-time game right it's it's just a feature of all games but i think people get more worried about it or they feel more stressed about it in a real-time game so i, I actually don't know that a real a well-designed real-time game makes mistakes any worse it's just that some people uh will get more stressed about it but but that's fine because you know if if it if it really does bother you um then then Real-time games may not be for you, which is perfectly fine. Not not all games are for everyone, so I'm not, I'm not trying to convince anyone who feels um, uh, who doesn't enjoy that aspect of real-time games that their feelings aren't real. Right? We all enjoy different things in games, so so if if people don't enjoy that aspect, I totally understand. Um, but uh, but hopefully, some people are, are able to uh, to to you know still enjoy a, a good real-time game if it's if it works around this.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing to definitely think about, and you can kind of tell me your experience with this as well, is that if you're going to have a ton of time pressure and you're going to really shorten the amount of time people have to do different things, if you're going for like a really chaotic, frantic uh, atmosphere or experience, then you probably want to streamline the rules even more simplified, even more because if people are going to be moving faster, then they're going to be more likely to make mistakes, accidentally cheat, knock things over, bump into each other and knock knuckles and things Mm -hmm. like that. And so, versus, you know, do you want to make sure people have a little bit more time and maybe, you know, just kind of bump up the time just enough to where they feel like they can accomplish all of what they want. They just have to move pretty quick and have to make decisions really fast. And maybe it's not the most optimal, but that's kind of the first thing pop in their head. But you've got just enough time to get done the things you want to get done. And so maybe there's less bumping into each other. There's less uh, accidental cheating. And maybe the rules can be a little bit more complicated. Maybe you can have a few more things going on because you're not putting that time pressure onto people as much. So tell me about when, when you are working on Pendulum, kind of what you found is like the sweet spot or kind of balancing too much time versus not quite enough time. Tell me about that process.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that was a lot of the design process and, and you nailed it, that, um, uh, I tried to be really thoughtful about, uh, the complexity of a given action. Um, and how it relates to the timer. So uh, so in, in Pendulum, you know, you have three different timers. Like, like I think I mentioned before, is a three minute, a two minute, and a 45 second. Um, and of course, taking a three minute action locks up your worker for that amount of time. So, so they need to be more powerful. So, so there's a lot of thought that, that I put into the design to make sure that, you know, you had more powerful actions with the higher time time cost. But also a lot of it was just what you said was was tying together the more complicated actions with the higher time cost. Uh, So when you put your work on a three minute action, that is a spot you would go to to generally to get the resource that lets you pick up cards and pendulum and pendulum everyone has a set of cards. And that was always one of the, you know, the biggest um, mental pauses in the game when I watch people play, you know, it's the thing that takes the most mental processing. you pick up these cards, even though you know them well, um, and, and there's only the same set that you're using the whole game. You can still, as you watch people play, you know they pick up the cards and it's, it's more things to look at. It's four different cards now. Their brain is processing what they are. Even if they know them well, there's some they might want to play. And every one of those is a little micro decision of do I want to play this card? So it became really clear that we wanted to take that piece that was the highest cognitive overhead or highest mental load and put that with a longer time. So you commit a, t- a worker to that you're gonna have more time to then resolve that action. And that goes, flows down in Pendulum. So in the two minute area is a place where you can conquer a province, which are these public cards that you go choose, which are much more similar than the cards in your hand, but it's still a bit more of a decision. And then you get all the way down to the 45 second area and there the results of your actions are really pretty clear. Just get this resource, get that resource, things that you don't have to think very hard about. So so that's absolutely something that that, uh, that I try to put thought into. And as you said, any design of a real game, time game, you wanna put some thought into it. Um, it can be entertaining to say, well, what if you had all of these options and you only had 30 seconds to do it? Um, but you'll generally find that that doesn't make for an interesting experiment for your players. They just get overwhelmed and they don't enjoy it. So you you want to dial it in and make sure that the time is matching the kind of decisions you make. And you'll see that in games out there. You know, Space Dealer is, is another good game uh, that has an actual bit of an engine building process to it. Um, and and there you've got a one minute timer every time you take an action that you are then waiting for that to come free versus some other games like you mentioned the ones where you're like rolling dice in real time I can't think of an hour where you're like fighting off aliens I played that way back in the day maybe it's it's Project Elite or xcom yeah and and it's sort of a mad dash you're just sort of rolling dice and spamming dice and grabbing and rolling them again and in that case all you're really doing is looking what the dice say when they come up and grabbing them and re-rolling them so it's it's not as much of a complicated decision process um, and there you can have the faster time where it's almost it's almost no time between rolling dice and then picking them up and grabbing them and rolling them again so
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, let's take a step back just for a second and talk about why people hate these kinds of games. And what do you what do you do about it as a designer, you know, thinking through, okay, game night comes around, somebody buys Pendulum or buys one of these other games that we're talking about with these real time elements. And, you know, they sit down at the table and three people are excited to play. And then that one person is like, oh, do we have to play this game? And so they're going to have to kind of you know slog through the game because everybody else wants to play it. And they want to be polite and be a good friend. And yeah. so, like, but what are the reasons people stray away from these games or, or just, I mean, I've seen a lot of hate online, which is the <laughs> season for hate online. It just is what it is. Uh, yeah, sure. but why do you think people, some, why do you think so many people just really have a disdain for real time games?
2: Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot of challenges to a real time game, and 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 those were design challenges for Pendulum along the way, absolutely, because um, I we, we wanted to try to work around those as best we could. You know, there's some things you you can't work out of the game, but um, but there's definitely some challenges with real time. So one is is the stress, um, the time pressure. Some people just do not enjoy it. Um, they don't find it fun, um, or or their brain doesn't work. You know. The, with the time and in, in the right way which is not because that they're not as smart as someone else uh, you know like I said, the way we make decisions is always a fascinating aspect of this, of me. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you you make a better decision if you're able to make decisions faster. That's not necessarily the case, right? I played with players who are perfectly good with real-time games. So they, mix, they can make snap quick decisions, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're you know, smarter or making better decisions. Sometimes it, sometimes it does, but, but it's really kind of just different ways that we all approach problems in life, right? And so some people just don't enjoy the problem of trying to make a quick decision under time pressure. Um, another challenge is, is the social aspect, right? When you, once you start playing a real-time game, you usually don't get the kind of social banter and you can pause and chit chat whenever you want, you know, suddenly chit chatting is costing you time in the game. Um, so, so that's, that's definitely a, a point that's a big struggle as well. And I think it's a reason some people just don't enjoy real-time games because they're there to relax and chat with their friends, you know, spending time with their friends is just as much as, as playing the game and having fun, um. Which, which I totally understand because I, that's a big part of board gaming to me is, is chatting and having the fun um, with, with my friends. Uh, so that was always a struggle as I was developing Pendulum. Um, and, and so I, I think there's a couple different ways you can address that. One is a lot of real-time games are just really short. Um, so, you know, like you mentioned, the five-minute games that play in five minutes. So if, if someone doesn't really like the game, that's okay. It's not going to be a long commitment. We'll do it really quick, and then we can chit chat after. And if you don't like the time pressure, hey, just take one for the team and play this game, because uh, other other people may want to play it. It won't, it won't it won't take long, right? It's not like signing up for a three hour game. So that's one way to approach it. Uh, the way we approached it in Pendulum, because we, you know, I did want to make this actual strategy game that would take longer to play. Uh, so so the way. Uh, we had to approach it was to put in these breaks so pendulum you play real time for a portion and then you you call council um and you all all go off to the council phase you do some upkeep and you also have a break where you can chit chat talk about how the game's going or talk about how life's going whatever you want go to the bathroom um and have a, have that break built into the game periodically so you get four of those breaks over the four council phases of the game and um so that way you get each real-time portion of the game in pendulum is actually only about six to nine minutes depending on how how, uh, on top of the timers people are as, as they, as they flip them, um, which has nothing to do with the rules In pendulum, uh, an interesting aspect is you're not required to flip timers, but most people are usually ready to flip them when they come up. So usually around six to nine minutes of real time, which, which is kind of close to a lot of the length of some real time games of, you know, five to 10 minutes. Uh, so it's more, but it, you know, it kind of packs those in, in different segments with the, with the pause in between so that you, um uh, you can get those breaks and get that that time for chit chat and banter, and and as for the the stress of the real time, um, you know, as we talked about uh, before, pendulum has the different timers, and so the the way we really tried to approach that um, was to to have these longer timers, so that sometimes you have so much time, you have uh, there are times in the game where you're actually waiting on the timers. So so pendulum for a lot of people and a lot of times is not a game of time pressure constantly. Uh, you actually spend time sort of waiting for the timer to go and you kind of want, want it to hurry up, Um, which it was hard to kind of get that balance, right. So that the game's not too slow, uh, but also not too fast. I think we got it pretty good uh, based on the playtest feedback and everything. And and now that it's out there in the wild, I think, I think most people are good with the timing of the game. Uh, There's always going to be some people who, you know, who find it too slow or too fast, but I think it's a good pace for most people so that you just kind of feel like you're making decisions in a board game, like you would usually do. uh, But with that constant level of engagement.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, I want to go back to what you were talking about with breaks. You know, this is something you definitely have to think about as a designer if you're going to make one of these games. Is when can players take a breather? When can they go, okay, that was crazy. All right, let's <laughs> let me just—I yeah, got to get us some snacks. Uh, I'll be like, you need to have that built into the game, yep. especially if it's going to be a longer game. Like you said, if it's just a five-minute game, ten-minute game, not a big deal. You know, let it be chaotic and frantic and, and frenzied and, and have fun. But if you're going to have a, a little more strategy to it, XCOM is a great example. Of a ton of chaos and frantic movement and doing things, rolling dice and placing things and all that. And but then it's like, okay, and now we take a break and we plan and we figure things out and we talk about what's gonna happen in the next round. All right, y'all ready? You ready? Three, two, one, go. And now we're back into the real-time aspects. And so you kind of have that the highs and lows of the chaotic and the the restful, the chaotic and the planning stages. And so I think it's important to figure out what are the phases of my game, how often do they happen you know do i need to maybe cut the game a little bit shorter maybe you know players are a little bit stressed out by the end i want kind of pull that stress level down or maybe i need to add in more breaks or maybe i need to change the, like there's so many things you have to think about that you probably don't know, normally have to think about when you're designing a game because yeah. the cognitive load changes so much because you're adding that extra stress of the real time uh, aspects and that's definitely something for for designers uh, to think about Now, going into maybe some other examples, what are some of the games that you've really enjoyed? You know, maybe were inspirational, maybe not for Pendulum, but just other real-time games that you kind of look at and go, all right, this is a really good one. This is doing it well. And so what are those games and and why do you think they're doing it well?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, there's lots of great real-time games out there. Um, there, I've been asked this question before and surprisingly, there's actually not a lot of real-time games that inspired Pendulum. um, Because there's, as we talked about, most real-time games are kind of more fast and frenetic. And have a shorter playtime, and so it was. I was really trying to um, to do something different that would hopefully you know break into a new area where you have this real actual engine building strategy game with the with the real time aspect. Um, But there's certainly there's certainly games that that gave me some interesting ideas. One of the one of the best was and and that you might not think because it doesn't seem very close to pendulum, but the game Magic Maze uh, is a great real time game that gave me this brilliant insight of of you don't have to give someone all the rules at once so in magic maze you sort of slowly layer on like the different um restrictions or i, I sorry i shouldn't assume, assume people played magic maze magic maze is a co-op game where you're all trying to make it out of this maze um and you have a timer that you're flipping back and forth between you um uh and there there are sort of different requirements with how much you can communicate and so early on, you're able to talk to your team and strategize. And then as you go round by round, you get less and less ability um, to, to chat with other people um, about what you're doing and other restrictions on, on what you can do, you know, amongst your team. Um, but it's, the game does a great job of layering that on. So, so the challenges become harder as you get more used to the rules and more used to the game. Um, so, so it's a really good way to get players to understand, um, and get up to speed on a real-time game. And, and, and Pendulum, we were really struggling with the teaching aspect. Uh, Most people would, would be able to get it, but there was a good segment that just wouldn't, uh, just because of the way, you know, the way some people pick up games is, is they need that tactile experience. They need to play through a few rounds and, uh, you can't do that in a, in a real-time game because you can't stop and ask questions once the timer starts. So we were really struggling with that aspect. Um, and I, I, I can't remember what the timing was. Maybe I, I played Magic Maze around that time. Um, I mean, it wasn't like a direct connection. Uh, but at some point, I think that was bubbling in the back of my brain maybe when I finally realized, well, w- is there a way we can stage people into the game? So Pendulum, the final version, has an untimed version. Where it kind of walks you through the order the timers would flip but you don't actually have to worry about this time the sand and the timers so you can take your time ask questions and so the rules recommend you play your first round or two that way um, and then you flip into the to the time mode later in the game once you're comfortable with how everything works. So that was a really good inspiration. And, and I highly recommend any designers out there thinking about designing a real-time game to think about ways you can you can ramp people up into the game because real-time is always more difficult in terms of people understanding the rules, not being able to ask questions, what's the time starts, right? Whoever taught them the game is now off doing their own game and they don't want to pause to answer questions. Uh, so that's a really great... Um, uh, a really great way to to approach real time games, um, but other good ones that I play, you know, Space Dealer, Space um, or Space and Time is the ones called, like, like I said, is is I think uh, uh, the most kind of like strategy like game out there that's that's played in real time, and it's it's, it's a really fun one. Um, but then other games that really inspired were me were were just your traditional Euro games that use time as a mechanic in ways, even though it's not quote unquote real time, but that simulate those trade offs in time. Um, so Zolkin was one where you're having to commit workers, uh, for over rounds or a certain amount of actions, which is, you know, basically is time. Um, uh, village is another good one. Um, and what else had I, a uh, Glenmore actually I played back in the day is a good one. It, it, sort of where you're jumping ahead on a track and the further you go up, the more time you're effectively committing to that action. Um, and, and so, so, you know, you're, but you would only do it if that, if the, the, the reward is really good. So that's another game. Where you're you're trading off time um, or actions that you could take in the game for a better reward, and that's that's a lot of what the heart of pendulum is when you when you break apart the sort of euro heart of it. So.
0: Yeah. Now, is space Dior the one that you have your spaceships and then the timers go on top of them, and then yes. like that tells you how much time. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's an interesting game because you're moving around the I think it's a hex grid, and you've got these spaceships like these little card chipboard. Uh, cutouts and you put the timer on top of them and that tells you how long the spaceship has to sit in that one place to gather the resource or drop off things and yeah that's a very interesting one uh and then also galaxy trucker is one that we we've mentioned a couple times tell me about that one how does time play a role in in that game
2: yeah that's that's a great game like i said before i think it's a really interesting one because there's not as much of a direct connection um you know like, like space dealer you have your workers, and they're each one-minute timers. Which is also kind of like Kitchen Rush, which is another good game, good real-time game that came out recently, where you know the time you're committing to an action, um, and so any action you do basically costs that one minute. Um, and so there's this clear trade-off in, in the time of the actions you're taking. I, I love Galaxy Trucker because you're it, it, it's a it's a, for those who haven't played, it's a game where you're building a spaceship. Uh, to go deliver cargo uh, across space, but you're going to go on a journey and you're going to run into all sorts of obstacles and things that will tear your ship apart along the way. Um, and you you may not even make it to the end destination, which has happened to me before, um, as your ship gets blown apart. Uh, but um, you, uh, you have this mess of tiles that are all face down and you and the other players start just sorting through them in the first part of the phase as you're trying to build your ship. And there's a timer that sort of tells you when you all need to be done. But aside from that, uh, anyone can finish their ship at first and if you finish first you get to put your marker for the the order you go on the journey um, and I'm trying to remember what the benefits are for the for the order I don't remember all the details but but you get a benefit for being for finishing your ship first but of course if you do that you're foregoing more time to sit there and pick through tiles and try to design the best ship um, but because the time is you know it's not as much that there's a specific timer that you're using up it's more racing against the other players it's a really interesting one where you're trading off time, and it's not as it's not as clear and well defined. It's more this. It's a little bit more abstract. Of, of could I pick a couple more tiles? Is the person next to me about to be done and finish their ship? Um, and that uncertainty makes it all the more interesting and strategic because there's not a bright line as much that you're dealing with. You're just trying to get used to the other players and understand the trade offs. Uh, of spending more time trying to build your ship versus the benefit you get if if you commit, if you commit earlier. And and that's just a really interesting aspect. I love that, that part of, of real-time games where you're able to create the, uh, I don't know if there's a separate term for it. I I almost wish there was like, there's kind of like real-time games. And then there's sort of an area I would call time as a resource games where, and if, if, if time is a resource, then it's not necessarily the case that it's a game where you're just trying to do things as fast as possible. It's a game where time is a factor, but sometimes there's a reason to take more time and sometimes and, and, and vice versa. And that to me is the really juicy, interesting area where you're trading off time and it's not always the case that faster is better.
0: Right. And a lot of these games don't even have a timer necessarily. It, it kind of lets the players time it themselves where you, maybe you get a bonus if you're the first one to finish a certain action in a, in a round, or maybe you get a penalty if you're last to finish. And so I think that's yep. another way you can do these games is you don't necessarily have to include a sand timer in the box or, or tell people they need a timer on their phone. You just let the players kind of dictate what the pace of the game is. And maybe that's something, you know, to think about uh, if you're making one of these games is maybe you don't need a timer. Maybe you can just kind of let play yourself time. And I know there's, there's a lot of games out there uh, that do. Yeah. 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 That, oh,
2: that uh, Ricochet robots is another good one hmm. um, where everyone just kind of stared at the board. It's like this uh, path puzzle game. Um, everyone's standing at the board and you're just trying to think of, uh, how fast you can move this robot, you know, around the board with these certain rules. And like you said, there's not actual timer for that portion. You're just sitting there with the other players and every moment you could, you could give out a bid of the number of moves you think you could do, or you could sit there and think about it more. So you're just constantly making a trade-off of how much is it worth it for me to analyze, sit here and analyze further versus put my guess out there now. Um, So yeah, yeah, that's another good example, like you said, where it doesn't actually use a timer. I think there is, once you put a bid, I think there's a timer in the box to to time for other people. Uh, But the the meat of it, that first bid where people are trying to analyze the puzzle, there's not actually a timer, even though it's real time, which is a, a really cool aspect of games that I like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know there's several word games as well, that have a timer, or at least have some kind of timed play, mm-hmm. where maybe you have your your tiles or your cards, or you're trying to you know create as many words as you can, you know, before other people before time runs out. Uh, and then also there's there's role in rights, which are kind of interesting because a lot of them, you know, they're simultaneous play, which isn't exactly real time, but at the same time, I feel like you feel the time pressure if you're a, if you're a decent human being, then you feel <laughs> the time pressure of when you're the last one every single time to write down your answer or to color in on your card or whatever kind of roll and write you're playing. Everybody's just staring at you. And I am yeah. typically this person. I know you mentioned you you have a, a struggle with analysis paralysis. I'm usually that guy that's sitting there thinking through like every possible move plus five, you know, and uh, and so I feel like that's not exactly a real time game, but simultaneous play like roll and rights and different games like that have some kind of place in all this, especially if you're designing something like this to go play those games Just kind of see what, you know, makes them work and makes them tick as they, they work together because simultaneous play and real time games typically go hand in hand.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. In any simultaneous play game, you're going to get a little bit more of that feeling of pressure to be done. Um, you know, I mean, you still get that pressure to finish your turn in other games, you know, even <laughs> though people may take forever. That's, that's an interesting thought. I, I guess you could argue that all games are truly real time games. It's just that <laughs> in some, the cost is social. Uh, rather rather than an actual aspect of the game. But if you take forever, you will find yourself unable to play games in the future.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a really, really good way to look at it. Uh, Let's talk about theme for a little bit. Uh, you know a lot of these games have very interesting themes. I feel like the theme really lends itself to the mechanism of being in real time. Whether you're talking about Kitchen Rush where you are waiters and, and and cooks at a kitchen and you're trying to get plates out and you're trying to get people's orders, you know, take in and get the food out to them and do it as quickly as possible and get the table turned over and bring in new customers because that means more money, you know, that's very thematic and it makes sense for a real time game. Uh, Fuse is a game where you're trying to Uh, stop bombs from blowing up. You're you're trying to, you know, uh, get all the the icons and and things you need through rolling these dice to be able to defuse a bomb before you lose the game and there's a certain amount of time you have to do that. Uh, Throw Throw Burrito is a, stupid game uh, about throwing, I, I love a burrito. throwing
2: a burrito by the way my or my daughter <laughs> I should say loves it. it is one of her favorite games I've played a lot of that game
0: <laughs> right that's that's the theme of you know how how often have you been at Chipotle or Moe's or something like that and you're like you know what it's time to throw down and, and get the dodgeball game going and uh, <laughs> it's, it's that theme I guess but then you know more seriously Captain Sonar and Space Cadets where you're either either in a submarine or on a spaceship and you know, if you were in that situation in real life, it's, it's real time. And it's like, if you're a half second too slow, you're blown up, you're dead, yeah. you know, whether you're underneath the ocean or out in space somewhere. And so those themes really lend themselves to having these real time mechanisms. And so let's talk a little bit about theme. Let's talk about pendulum theme. Cause it's kind of a very interesting theme and, yeah. you know, tell me about how that theme came about. Was that there from the beginning? Was that something that Stonemark games was like, Hey, let's, let's kind of change things up a little bit. Tell me about theme in general for real time. And then more specifically about pendulum.
2: Yeah, sure. No, that, that was a great lead in um, too. Uh, of of how many real time games, you know, have this uh, theme that really matches the, the time pressure, um, you know, that, that that you're that you're under in the game, that you're in this sort of frantic position trying to do something really quickly, because uh, uh, P- Pendulum is absolutely not that uh, the theme is not one that lends itself to a real time frantic situation. And that was very intentional. Like I mentioned, Pendulum really tries to to do something different. Um, You know, up for for people who buy the game to judge whether it does or not. But the intent was to really try to do something different, um, where you're playing an actual, you know, meaty strategy game um, over an hour or so, Um, and and you're you're making decisions in real time. But it's not about necessarily always trying to make the fastest decision. And in fact, you're intentionally putting workers in spots that will take even longer time. Um, because it makes sense strategically or maybe just because you're tired of thinking about all your meeples. I found some people, uh, because of how their brain works, they'll focus more on the fast timer because they like that constant engagement of bumping workers frequently and other people who will put focused workers on the longer time area because they don't want to be making those decisions constantly. And so it's an interesting aspect of the game where you're managing that time load and, and specifically giving yourself room to breathe and room to think over the course of the game. And that is the intent. And so we wanted the theme to encourage that as well. So the theme is about, you know, you're all a noble in this, this fantasy world plotting to take over the throne. And so you're putting plans in motion that take time, um, you know, that, 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 that is not like this constant pressure. Uh, but you know you're you're putting your troops out in the field or sending your agents to go uh, you know convince an ally to join you whatever um, sort of longer term you know actions and and plans and plots that you're putting in motion to uh, to uh, become the emperor of this of this of this empire. Um, so we really wanted the theme to evoke something that felt a little it felt different. so i had I had actually originally, come up with or, or originally when i thought of the game i was thinking it would be this fantasy empire because like i said i played a lot of D when i grew up as a kid i guess i, I always liked the idea of sort of inventing a fantasy world um and then when i started getting serious about actually pitching it to publishers uh i completely rethemed it to be this like ancient roman game where you're in in rome around the time caesar was assassinated and you were vying to secede caesar and rewrite history um just because and, and, and there's aspects I like about that. And there's plenty of Roman themed games that I love. Uh, but honestly, that was just once I started taking it to publishers, I just kind of felt like, well, it's a Euro game, it should probably be something about, you know, the Mediterranean or ancient Rome or, or, or trading goods in, in China or something like that, um, you know, around the Renaissance times or medieval times, um, because that seems like that is the most popular Uh, some of the most popular settings. And since the game does so much creative mechanically, I thought that that the theme shouldn't be too far out there. So I rethemed it just because I thought it was better to, it was more pitchable. And then when I, when Stonemaier signed it, Jamie reached out to me and like one of the first emails he sent, he said, what do you think about the theme? I was thinking of making it more like this fantasy world. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right, that's what I actually wanted all along, and I just changed it to Rome to, to pitch it to you. Uh, so it all kind of <laughs> came full circle, which I was, which I was perfectly happy with because I, I think it is a lot more evocative um, and and puts you in a different world. I especially love um, the characters that we came up with for the game. Uh, I think once, you, w- once you're once comfortable with the game and there, there's a basic and advanced side to those characters, and once you're able to start playing the advanced side, I think you get a lot more sort of different feel for the players, for your character, um, and their their place in the world and sort of how they function differently from the person next to you, uh, which, I, which I think gives you that really good, different feel of the game. Uh, th- that being said, I mean, I'd also note that that it's a challenge getting the theme into the game with the real-time game, especially with, with this kind of strategy game. Um, trying to make this sort of a deeper strategy game because again the rules are it's very difficult to get a lot of rules overhead in a, in a real-time game to get people up to speed and processing it um so there's different point points where we had different amounts of theme on the board i guess you say they're they're like the early versions of the game actually had all the action spaces had names and there's like you know you go here to recruit troops you go here to conquer province you go here to barter resources um but you know there's there's interesting trade offs you have to make, and we found again people were struggling to grasp everything going on, and we thought all the text on the board was adding to the confusion and so when we pulled off the text and we just left the the simple plain iconography, we found the response of people understanding the game and getting up to speed on it improved uh so that was that was an interesting trade off you know i i I love having a good amount of theme and having uh, you know descriptions for all your actions that you're doing uh but it's it's tricky in a real-time game to get that in there with everything else you have to get into people's brains to process and play the game so that was that was an interesting design challenge
0: right you just have to be super aware of the cognitive load that you're putting on the players because you're already giving them you know extra stress than a typical game because you have this real-time aspect in there all right you talked a lot about different design challenges any other design challenges that you ran into different things that maybe changed during the development process as kind of jamie or some other people came in through development or that things you saw you know as the game kind of progressed in the design that you're like ah, we need to change this let's tweak that let's you know take a maybe you had five sand timers originally you know something like that that you kind of had to change the game to make it better
2: yeah there was one point at which i think there was two um but while I played around with it a little bit, it was always pretty clear that, like, you couldn't go much past three sand timers and have people keep track of them all. And two, didn't quite create enough engagement. So we actually didn't play around with that too much. Um, uh, Jamie had some great insights once, once I came on board with, um, with further ways to really streamline the actions. And, and some of what I talked about earlier in, in the podcast of, of what people are more likely to forget. Um, and how to structure the actions so that they can remember that. Um, he had some great insights there. And th- there was, there was, there was like an aspect of the game where, where you used to wait for the timer to finish to take your action, which is also when you'd have your worker in hand ready to place them somewhere else. And so it was like multiple decision points colliding all at once. And Jamie had this great insight of like, wh- why do they have to wait for the timer? Like, why don't they just take the action once the worker's there when they're sitting there waiting, anyways? It, it was, it was, one of those things that's like so obvious you can't believe you didn't see it in retrospect but but it was like taking all this time where the people are making decisions and resolving actions and putting it into the space where their workers locked up on the timer anyways so a lot of good cleanup and stuff like like that um that, that he that he helped help help us work through um i know for other design challenges like i said we talked a lot about uh already all the various things that are really difficult with a real-time game and um trying to get the amount of information so that people can have interesting decisions, but it's not too much information that they can't process it. Like that was the main journey of the game. Right. And, and, and I hope people are able to play it and enjoy it, but uh, you'd be surprised how much you can move something a little to the left or a little to the right. And, and people just don't get the game at all. Um, Cause there were versions that just would not work. Um, but the, the other thing I think that also made that a struggle is I'd say with real time games, an interesting design challenge where it's really hard to test. Um, you know, not that any game is, is going to be well-tested if you're just playing it by yourself. You always got to get it to the table and play with other people. But there's at least some basic kinks you can work out when you're by yourself and you can sit there and take a player's turn, right? And get up and move to the next chair and say, okay, what would this player do? And then move to the next player and say, what would they do? And kind of work out some of the basic strategic stuff. But you can't do that in real time, right? I, I can't do this person's action and then move to this chair and do this person because it all should be happening at the same time. And so that that aspect made it really hard to work out some of those basic kinks. And I think it, the development and design took longer because there were lots of milestones that that I just couldn't work through until I got the game to the table again with real people. And there would be basic stuff that needed to be fixed. And then brought back to the table again with people. So it, it took lots of patience and I have all the world of thanks for my friends and all the play testers along the way to work through all those kinks because it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough to design a real time game. So,
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you say different versions that just didn't work, what about those versions just were a miss? Like what what parts of those things that the testers were like, I just don't understand or like, tell me more about those uh, failures.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I think there's there's a couple versions, a couple aspects that, that we worked through. One of them, like I said, was just the rules overhead. Um, and and I would see that occasionally as I was teaching people the game. But once we got to like the blind playtest stage and we, so we mailed people the game with the rules and they had to read it and teach themselves, that, you know, is a whole nother level of challenge of is your how how understandable is your game really? And so in the very first couple ways of playtesting, we sit now, We had people coming back to and say, I tried to play this game three times and I never did. Like, I, I just couldn't play it. Um, and that was, that was also before we came up with the untimed version. Like I mentioned before, we were chatting about Magic Maze. Uh, I think that really helped so that people could at least get through the stages. But, but before we had that insight, um, you know, we thought we had a game that people could, could grasp. And most people could. Again, if I was there teaching it with them, uh, but we send it out in the wild with people who don't have someone who's played it before and they're just trying to read the rules. Um, and once you go in real time, like I said, you can't stop and ask questions. Uh, so for some people, the game would just fall apart. They wouldn't know what they're doing. They wouldn't know, understand how to resolve an action. They just pause everything. They work through it and they think resolve that question. And then they start playing again. They have another one. And again, the game is just completely broken and falling apart in front of them. And that's a really... A, a downside you have in a real time game that you don't have in other games because you're always just sitting there, can, you know, on pause and you can look at the rule book. So, so that was a big challenge. And that, that was one way it can go off the rails. Um, the, the other way is just just strategically. I, I think there are different versions where, I'll, while the rules may be streamlined, as a designer, you want to play around with different things that, oh, I could put in more cards that do this and these cards could look different. Like in the final game, the province cards are, are a good example of these. Pro- provinces that you conquer and if you play the game a few times you sit there and flip through them you'll see that they're all pretty similar the numbers are generally all the same there's a couple different colors that'll give you different types of resources but otherwise they're all pretty much the same right and those used to be a lot different and there would be all sorts of different cards that could come up that would give you different powers. Um, even earlier version, the, the cards would have various costs like you see in a lot of Euro games, you know? You're like, oh, this building costs three versus this one costs five, but it gives you more. So the provinces were like that. They cost you more to conquer, but they give you bigger benefit. And and people people couldn't process those small details quickly. It's again in a real time game, besides just the rules overhead, they want to be able to make satisfying decisions. And people would just sit there and they see cards coming, go off the road, off the card row. And then afterwards, they'd say, Why'd this person kill it? And they go, Oh, I got this card. It cost me seven, but it gave me all these huge benefits. And, the, and other players would be like, I didn't even know that card was possible. And it, it left a very unsatisfying experience. To, to how all these little game elements that they couldn't understand strategically. So, so beyond just understanding the rules, understanding like the strategy of what are the decisions I'm choosing between what are my options and how can I make my strategy work? And that was a real challenge for a real-time game as well, to get it so that people feel like they understood their options in the game and they can feel like, oh, now I know what I would do differently next time to win um, or to do better uh, because, because they grasp the strategy of the game.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point and something to think about. If I'm a brand new player playing, you know, a a game that maybe other people at the table have played before and it's my turn, I can look at my options and I can look at a friend of mine and go, Hey, I'm thinking about this. Is that dumb? You know, and maybe they're going to, they're not going to help me win the game, but I can at least say, Hey, what do you, what do you think about this over here? I'm I'm leaning towards this. And then can that combo to this other thing? Uh, And like, Can we check the rule on that? Like you can do that, but you can't do that very well in a real time game. And so thinking through, okay, is the game too complex? Does the game have too many, too much gray area? Are there things that, you know, players are going to run into, to, Uh, edge cases and little nuances that they're like, I don't know, can I do this? Is this okay? Is this legal? Am I cheating? Like Eliminating all of those things is so necessary in these kinds of games because you don't have the opportunity to ask questions or to check the rule book or anything like that. Maybe maybe you do in like the phases of of the game that are kind of untimed or just kind of the breaks in the action. Then you can go, hey, so I did this thing last turn. Was that legal? (laughs) You (laughs) you do have time to do that. Uh, But yeah, it's something to uh, definitely keep in mind. Uh, anything else as far as like the playtesting process or anything that kind of came out of testing and development that you w- want to make sure people are aware of, or just something to, to kind of be be mindful of in their own game designs?
2: Yeah, um, you know, the other thing I would say that was the biggest help along the way is is to tinker with multiple designs. And I think a lot of game designers do do this, so so it may be falling on deaf ears. But for those out there uh, maybe who 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 are scared to put a game down because you think you won't come back to it um, and you feel like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just going to cycle through games and, it's, and you know, I'm getting nowhere if I put a game down and go start a new one. I think that's actually really key to developing your, your various skills and, and develop your, your design muscle as, as a designer. Um, it's such a good, a good thing to, to, to completely step away from a game Go put your head into a whole new game. You'll discover new things. You'll come at things in new ways. And, and then you'll realize, oh, wait, this is kind of like the problem in that other game. And I, I ended up taking this totally different approach. And would that work over there, that experience of designing, um, you know, completely different ideas and putting something aside for a while and then coming back to it with fresh eyes, I think is really key. So, P- Pendulum is actually the very first game that I ever designed. Like I mentioned to you, it was the inspiration that got me into design. But it was, it was a journey along the way. And like I said, I worked on it for a while. And then... It, you know, I got it to one of those versions, like I said, that did not work at all. <laughs> and then I, so I, I put it aside because I thought it just wouldn't work. Started dip, working on a different uh, real time strategy game and then. That sort of sparked other ideas, and and then I could, would come back to Pendulum and tinker with it, and then I have another idea that I go off to, and then I come back to Pendulum again. And those breaks and coming back to it with fresh eyes, I think, were key in really making some of the core changes to, to like get it to to the spot where it could actually you know be a working game and be publishable. Um, so I, I I highly encourage designers uh, to to do that to you know set 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 your design aside for a time, work on something else for literally a few months, six months or something, and come back and. Um, you'll be impressed with sort of new ideas that might actually get things jump-started.
0: Yeah, I completely agree on that. You know, sometimes you run into a design challenge or a design block, and the best thing in the world is just to put the game on the shelf for a little bit, unless you're under contract and you have to deliver by a certain deadline. In that, case, <laughs> in that case, be a professional and get that crap done. But otherwise, just yeah. put it on the back burner and work on something else. Because so often I have found the answer to a problem for a game that I haven't worked on in a month because I'm working on this other game and I ran into something maybe parallel or something you know similar but different, like, oh, I can do this totally new thing with this other game and then I can I can go back and forth and it just makes it so much easier to design games when you have more going on. Also, it's it's better for your mental health because if you have something else you can do, I'll just go work on this other thing. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to let this discourage me or make me annoyed or frustrated or upset. I'm just going to work on something else instead and so maybe it's just better for your mental health as well just to have multiple options of fun things to uh, to work on as long as you're finishing things you know try to complete something every now and then you don't <laughs> yeah, have just yeah, a sure, million sure, games sure. on the shelf <laughs> and uh yeah, a huge difference. yeah well travis this has been awesome and any closing thoughts anything you want to leave listeners with as far as real-time games or game design in general
2: um i don't know i i, I guess the other thing i'd say is is design something you're passionate about um you know i like i said i got into this because i wanted to do something different i had this inspiration um you know i never you know i didn't say set out and say i want to be a game designer now what game should i make you know i sort of had this inspiration of this this idea of like this could be something really cool and really different and um so you know i encourage others to think of that uh to, to to think of what what really draws what what appeals to you what gets you excited You know, don't just say, well, I have this idea, but it seems kooky. Why don't I instead just, you know, like I said, go make a game where you trade goods around the Mediterranean. Um... Uh, you know, not that I don't love it when the new, the next new game comes out that does that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I love classic Euro games, even if it's themes we've seen before, mechanics we've seen before, just mixed together differently. I mean, I still love that, so I don't begrudge anyone that wants to do that. But like I said, I mean, w- but that's totally fine if that's what inspires you. It's, that's what I just, that's what I would hit on is, is if that's what excites you, that's what makes you passionate of just taking, you know, a kind of game that's maybe similar to what we've seen, but doing it really, really well. Then go for it. Or if you have some crazy idea that's a little more off the wall, then go for that. I, I think the amount of dedication and the roadblocks you're going to hit as a designer means you can't be doing it if you're not really excited for it. Like you got to do something that's going to keep you interested. It's going you got to do something where you're going to love just working on it, whether it succeeds or not. You've got to love the process. And if you're doing something where you don't love the process, you're going to burn out and you're not going to be able to, to get it to the, the spot it needs to be. So, so yeah, so whatever your crazy dreams are, that, that's what you should, that's my recommendation to, to, to follow those and don't let anyone tell you it won't work. So I heard that plenty of times with my real-time competitive strategy game. <laughs> uh, but after, after years of banging my head against the wall, I finally got it through. So
0: Awesome. Well, Travis, this has been great, man. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck with Pendulum in stores now, for sale now, either on you know Stonemire Games the, the website or in your friendly local gaming store. And good luck with everything else you got going on right now.
2: Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it, Gabe. Thanks so much for having me on. It was it was a, it was a blast to chat.
1: Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing.